Amen. Good morning. I am Pastor Walter Jamie Hawkins. It is a pleasure to be with you this morning on our streaming service. Welcome to Transforming Love Christian Center, located in El Sobrani, California, um, where we are believing, building, and becoming what God has called us to be and intended us to be. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you that you do all things well. I thank you that, Lord, I can lean on you and trust you. I thank you, Father, that you love this church. You love the body of Christ, Father. I am in awe of the fact that you would call me, let alone anyone else, to serve in this capacity, to speak life-transforming truth to the people that you gave your son for. And through his life, Father, we are brought into this grace where we stand. We are brought into this fellowship. We are brought into uh, this peace with you, God, that neither of us could afford. We could not earn it. It is by your grace that we have been saved and that not of ourselves, Father. So we are grateful and appreciative, Father, and I don't take lightly what you have given me to do this morning. I just ask, God, that you would take my effort and anoint it, God, because I know it's not me that saves, it's not me that transforms anyone, God. It is only by your grace, Father. I pray that we are encouraged this morning to do your will and most importantly, God, we are encouraged, Father, not so much to perform, but to trust and rely on Jesus Christ. And through that faith in your son, God, we will be able to perform the good work that you have predestined that we would do even before the foundation of this world. Turn the lights on today, God. Make this truth alive and real in all of us, Father, myself included. These things I pray in your matchless son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen and amen. All right. I want to go into the fourth chapter of Galatians. Um, we left off last week at the 11th verse, and now we're in verses 12 through 16. I had to break this up a little bit so that we would not be confused as to what's being said here. There's a lot being said here. But in Galatians, the fourth chapter, verse 12 through 16, the word of God reads, Brethren, I beseech you, be as I am, for I am as ye are. Ye have not injured me at all. Verse 13, ye know how through infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel unto you at the first. And my temptation, which was in my flesh, ye despised not, nor rejected, but received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. Verse 15 says, Where is then the blessedness ye spake of? For I bear you record that if it had been possible, ye would have plucked out your own eyes and had given them to me. 
And then it ends with a question. Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Hmm. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word. I want to title this message, The Appeal to Trust in the Truth. The Appeal to Trust in the Truth. Paul here is urging the Galatians to not set aside the truth that he preached to them at first. The Galatians in the the church of Galatia, they were uh, in the province of Galatia. There was a lot of people that he ministered to there and he set up churches there. Um, And he had preached the message of salvation through Jesus Christ and faith in, in Christ alone. And there are a lot of things that happened when he left that area. But when he was there, he had preached, them, preached to them the truth of the, of, the, of the gospel. And they received it. Now, this portion of scripture, you have to bear with me because it's, it's difficult to put a sermon together. Um, because we're at a point where Paul gets very personal and emotional about his experience. And in, in, in this portion of the letter, this passage of scripture here, this part of the letter to the Galatians, there's not a lot of theology um, to teach here. However, uh, there is a boatload of application for us to apply to our thinking and how we see ourselves and in, in, in how we see the word of God and how we see um, a truth even uh, and how we receive that truth and what we're supposed to do with that truth. Um, there's a lot of application is, uh, that, that we can apply to our daily lives here. And so I, I want you to bear with me because it's, it's not so easy for me to get, you know, a, a three or four point sermon here. There's, there's many sermons <laughs> within these verses, uh, even though it's just a, a short passage of scripture. Um, I just want you to bear with me because it's, it's been a little difficult to actually um, uh, give you a through line or a theme that runs through the verses, but I prayed about it, and I believe the Lord has given me something here um, uh, to where we can kind of hang our, our coats here. Amen? So the appeal to trust in the truth. Galatians 4 and 12. Thank you, Holy Spirit. All right, here we go. The Word of God reads, Brethren, I beseech you, be as I am, for I am as ye are, and ye have not injured me at all. What's being said there in that very first that first verse here that we're we're approaching here. Um, First of all, I want you to recognize that Paul, even though he is having some doubts about uh, the position uh, that the the Galatians have taken, slipping into this legalistic way of thinking, Paul addresses them as brethren. Uh, There's no indication that Paul says that he's dealing with unbelievers here. Okay, so he's talking to his church that he believes is still his church, and he's hoping that that they are his church. But they're kind of they're swaying, they're they're getting out of line, they're veering off the path. So he's concerned, but he does not address them as unbelievers. Amen. And then he says to them, "I beseech you, I urge you, I plead with you, I beg of you, be as I am." Now, what he's saying there is be as I am or become as I am. It's in the present imperative. And so Paul is assuming, um, he's saying to them, uh, I believe you are believers. Now, I want you to be as I am. And he says, for I am as ye are. What is he saying here? He says, keep on becoming as I am. Paul is saying here, be as I am, free from the law. 
Be free from the law. Why? He says, because I am as you are, or as you always were. <laughs> free from the law. Uh, Paul, after he got saved, he came out of this strict observance of the Jewish law, the Mosaic law, the ceremonial law, the, the, the law that was given on Mount Sinai of do's and don'ts, and he ended up trusting in Christ alone, amen? While the Gentiles in Galatia after salvation were going into the law that Paul had just been freed from. So here's what's so ironic. Paul realized that his legalism couldn't save him. Uh, that after he came to Christ, that he needed to trust in Jesus Christ. And the Gentiles, after coming to Christ, were going into trying to save themselves through the Jewish legalistic system. Something that they were free from in the beginning. So they go from being free from one prison of lawless living and gross immorality into another prison of legalism being burdened down with rules and regulations that they never had to keep in the first place. It was like, you guys are not even Jews. What are you doing? Well, Paul here appeals to them as Christian brothers and sisters and saying to them, he says, Listen, you're in Christ, and as, 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 we, as, I, as I, I trust in Christ and you trust in Christ, I urge you to walk in the freedom that you had with Christ from the beginning. Relying on what? On God's grace that brought you into it, on faith in Christ, amen, who was the only one who's ever done what God has required in the first place, and being led by God's Holy Spirit not by your works. He said, rely on that. Your faith in Christ, your, your appreciation for the grace of God that has brought you into this family, and when you receive Christ, you receive the Spirit. Now trust in the Spirit. <laughs> Amen? Trust in God. Amen? Trust in the Holy Spirit. Now, listen, he says, you have not injured me. In other words, you, when, when I was preaching there, you didn't mistreat me. You didn't disrespect me. You didn't do that at all. In fact, you remember how I first came to you. And now here's the context. This is where it gets kind of interesting. And Paul veers into his personal um, recounting of what happened when he first got there and why, he, why he's so hurt by what's happening here. He says, you didn't injure me or you didn't mistreat me at all. In fact... You remember how I first came to you? Here's the context. When Paul was on his missionary journey, and Galatians is, if I'm not mistaken, the very first chronological letter that's been written from Paul to the church, he was supposed to pass through Galatia. He was never supposed to stay in Galatia. That was, his plan was to just be passing through the provinces of Galatia. But something happened. God allowed Paul to get sick. So Paul was supposed to go through Galatia, but he gets stuck <laughs> in Galatia. And while he's there, he is sick, and he had to stay there a while. And what does he do? Well, sick or not, Paul does what he does, what he's going to do, whether he's feeling well or not. He begins to what? Preach the truth. He begins to preach the gospel. Amen. And in verse 13 says, you know, you personally know 
how through infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel unto you at the first. Uh, other translation says, you know how through the infirmity of, fresh, of the flesh I preached to you the gospel. Or you know that it was because of bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. He's basically saying that the reason why you heard the gospel is because I ended up being stuck there because of this ailment that came upon me, this infirmity of the flesh. Now, no one knows specifically what the ailment was. Some people would like to say that it was sin because they just want everything to be, you know, whenever they see Paul going through something, they, you know, it's a thorn in the flesh and whatever. We don't know if he had malaria or epilepsy or or, or, or it could have been some older version of the coronavirus. God only knows. But the bottom line here is that he had an ailment. He had an infirmity in the flesh. And if you drop down, oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. If you drop down to verse 15, when it says, you would have gouged out your eyes, or you would have given me your eyes. If it had been possible, you would have plucked out your eyes and had given, to, given it to me. So whatever this disease was, and I personally believe it wasn't a disease because it says infirmity of the flesh, it does not say some kind of lapse in character. <laughs> it says that he was, you know, he was sick. Whatever it was, it affected his eyes. So some people believe, believe that it might have been, at that time, historically, uh, a, a form of malaria that may have attacked his eyes. We don't know for certain. We do know that, that it had something to do with affecting his eyes. And he's saying, you didn't mistreat me, you didn't disrespect me, but you know that the reason why I ended up preaching the gospel to you is because I got sick. And it's a good thing that we don't know what the specifics were. We don't know exactly what it was. Why? Because the specifics are not the primary message here. The point that needs to be seen here, and this is where I think we want to veer a little bit here, is that God can use you in spite of whatever weaknesses that you have. That's the point I want everybody to see here. This is where I believe God is leading me in this very interesting portion of scripture. Paul is being faithful to the teaching of the gospel in spite of how he's feeling. Are you seeing that? Amen? So he's sick and he's going to work anyway. <laughs> he's, not, he's not allowing his sickness to stop what, what God has called him to do. Amen? Uh, listen here. Go to 2 Corinthians. I don't have a lot with you uh, today, this morning, but I just want you to kind of, I just want to touch on a few points here. 2 Corinthians 11 and 6. 2 Corinthians 11 and 6. This time uh, out of the New Living Translation. I just want to make sure it's very clear here. The, The word says, I may be unskilled as a speaker, but I'm not lacking in knowledge. We have made this very clear to you in every possible way. We made the very, we made the gospel clear to you in every possible way. I, I, I have certain weaknesses. I'm not the greatest <laughs> in every area, but I'm not lacking in what I know. I'm not lacking in the truth. Uh, same chapter, drop down to the 30th verse, 2 Corinthians 11 and 30. If I must boast, I would rather boast about the things that show how weak I am. Bible talks about when you are weak, then you are strong. Uh, 
As my dad used to say, don't, don't, don't turn to it. Trust me, it's there. I didn't get a chance to give it to you, Naya, but something is coming back to me now in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly I would therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distress for Christ's sake. We're not talking about sin here. What we're talking about here is there was the weakness that Paul had and he was saying that I don't care how weak I am, it doesn't matter because the glory is going to shine even brighter in my weakness. God's going to get all the credit and not me. Nah, I hope you're getting this. I hope you're getting this. Here's the thing. The segue connection from verse 12 in Galatians uh, 4 into verse 13 is Paul had been saying up to this time that strict observance of the law does not save you, nor can it keep you holy. But actually what we're seeing here, as he kind of veers off into his personal testimony and his his pain here, he says here that weakness is more effective when it comes to doing the will of God. Why? Because it places the believer in a position where you have no other choice but to lean on God and not your own strength. Come on, somebody. Somebody needs to get that. Hallelujah. Somebody needs to get that. Huh? You need to get that. Listen, I can't help but notice that Paul, who had been used to thinking that he's quite something because he dots every I and, and crosses every T when it comes to the, the, the legal code and obeying uh, the Mosaic law and, and all the ceremonies and, and being circumcised when he was eight years old and, and being the strictest of the Jews of Jews, as he was called. How he obeyed uh, the law of God and was used to serving God from a place of self-confidence and human effort or performance or achievement. And now he's being placed or he's being seen. The Holy Spirit is allowing us to see how he's being faithful to God in a time of weakness. Not from a time when I can boast about who I am and what I can do and all that I know. And by the way, have you noticed how holy I've been this week and, and my come across? No, no, he's saying I can be holy holy and serve God from a place of weakness where I can't even get out of my bed right. Come on somebody, get this. Get this. Oh, I'm preaching in here today. Thank you, Holy Spirit. A lot of times we think we can't be used by God because we have weaknesses. There are things we don't do. There are times when we don't step up. There are things that God wants us to say and we won't say it. It's because we're being tricked into thinking that God only uses people who are healthy or super gifted or who have it all together or are very strong in certain areas. Well, that's not true. The most useful person to God is someone who is weak enough to depend on God. Ah, and it's put in a place where they cannot exalt themselves to the point to where they get in the way of God. Are you hearing me, saints? Are you hearing me? What we're seeing here is Paul is showing 
<laughs> that, 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 that even in weakness, he's faithful. Why? Because it's the power of God that is ruling and, and, and reigning in him. It's the power of God that is keeping him going forward. It's the power of God. Amen? It's, it's all about God getting the glory. God will often use weak, despised, and poor instruments to accomplish his work in order that the glory will be of God and not the glory going to man. So we don't want to be in a situation where we let the pride come in because of all that we think we're doing right and get in God's way. And at the same time, we don't want to get out of whack and, and, and be a, a people who don't trust in the power of God where we end up doing nothing at all. We're, we're timid and we're, 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 we don't step up. We don't do what God has called us to do because we're too busy looking at ourselves in our own performance. It's not about what you do. It's what Christ does through you. That's the whole point. It's that Christ, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Verse 19 talks about Christ being formed in you and that's what it's all about. And we'll talk about that in the next coming verses. But I'm telling you, the whole point here is that, is that you lean on Christ, not what you can do. You lean on what Christ and what he can do through you. I hope you're getting this. All right, but here's another side. All right, that's all the way down to 13. Here's another side. Back to Galatians 4 and 14. Uh, let's get context. Okay. Back to 13. You know how through infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel unto you at first. And then verse 14 says, In my temptation, which was in my flesh, there you go, that, that, that just goes to show you there was a disease, a physical ailment here. Uh, ye despise not, huh, nor rejected. My temptation... Not as in being tempted to sin, but my trial, my, 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 my hard time, my, <laughs> my time of sickness, my time of infirmity, my temptation, which was in my flesh, ye despised not nor rejected, but received me as an angel of God, even as Christ himself. All right, what's going on here? Here's the other side of it. Sometimes you don't believe in what God can do through you in your weakness. But the other side is that, and sometimes I've experienced this myself, you, it's not so much that you're doubting you, it's people are doubting. People think that you can't be used. All right, so here's the thing. Sometimes people will discredit you because of your obvious weakness they will see weaknesses in you and they will think that well maybe we shouldn't listen you're not doing much better than me right now so the truth that you speak gets discredited because they see weakness in you <laughs> I, I've seen this in my own brief time in ministry you're too young, Jamie. You don't know what you're talking about. You don't have enough experience. You're not like your daddy. You're not like your uncle. You're not like your, you're different than all the rest of the Hawkins. Why should we listen to you? <laughs> Where are you coming from? Where you been? What you, wasn't you on the road with R&B acts? I mean, how, how am I supposed to listen to you? What, what, what's the point? Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? People do this all the time. They, you know, they, 
That's the thing about it. Okay, uh, you're having trouble in your marriage, and then somebody comes to you that's been divorced, and you can't listen to them because they've been divorced, and suddenly you discredit them because you think they don't know what they're talking about. Well, sometimes you can learn from people who have done some things wrong so you don't repeat what they did. Are you hearing me? All right, so what I'm saying here is here's the temptation. I can't listen to you, Paul. Here's the trial. I can't listen to you, Paul, because you're sick. How can you help me, Paul, when you're sick? It doesn't look like you and God are tight right now. Because, <laughs> because you've got an ailment. You've got... <laughs> the Jews and the Gentiles had one thing in common in this area. They both had bad theology in the area when it comes, when it comes to this point. They believed that if you were sick then God must be punishing you. Kind of like when Job was selected and put on Satan's radar. And he, God says, have you considered my servant Job? And, and his buddies and his friends, including his no having faith in God wife, <laughs> were all deciding uh, ahead of time that the reason why Job is going through this and why we can't listen to Job is because Job is being punished by God and, and God doesn't like Job. That, that's not always the case, people. All right, so he's saying here that they didn't believe in, uh, that he's saying that, that, that my temptation, which was in my flesh, you despise not. So the, the Jews here, or the Gentiles rather, slow down, Jamie. The Gentiles here had decided not to despise him then, had decided not to reject him then. That word there means to spew out. To spew out. That means to spit out. In other words, uh, they would hear truth from Paul, and, and some people would decide to reject what Paul was saying uh, because of, uh, uh, of his obvious sickness. All right. Let me give you a, a quote here. Uh, William McDonald puts it this way. Paul's illness was a trial to himself <laughs> I love this. And to those who listen to him. However, the Galatians, he said here, they did not reject him at that time because of his physical appearance or because of his speech. Maybe he was having a problem forming his words. We don't know, but the bottom line is, is that he was not in the best of conditions. Instead, they received him as an angel of God. That is a messenger sent by God. Even as Christ himself, since he, he represented the Lord, they received him as they would receive the Lord. They accepted Paul's message as the very word of God. This should be a lesson, McDonald says, to all Christians concerning their treatment of the Lord's messengers. When we receive them cordially, we receive him in the same way. We receive Christ. So this is the thing. It's basically saying that truth is something you need to respond to. Amen? When you are hit with the truth, you need to respond to it. Amen? But this is saying here that when Paul was there, they did respond. They did receive the gospel. They did receive his preaching. They did receive him in spite of, you know, his situation, in spite of his, his, his problems, his health issues. Amen? So what happened? In fact, verse 15 in the same chapter says, Where is then the blessedness you spake of? 
For I bear you record that if it had been possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and had given them to me. He's saying back then when I came, you heard the truth. You, you didn't spew me out. You didn't reject me. You, you heard the gospel. They were, the Jews were preaching you had to add stuff to Christ. And you were so excited about the fact that you could just love on Christ and that you could be received uh, by, by God based on what Christ had done and not on your own merit and not earning it. And you heard that message even though I was sick. What happened? How did you change? What happened? Well, let me tell you what happened. Why did they turn from the truth that Paul taught them? A strong religious spirit of pride slipped into the church and, be, and the people began to trust in their works instead of just leaning on Christ alone. You see the connection? When you trust in yourself, you're exalting yourself. When you trust in Christ, you are proclaiming your dependence on Christ and your weakness. <laughs> There's the through line. There's the through line. The message of the Judaizers that were slipping into the church, talking about circumcision and obeying the law, that was the exact opposite message of Christ and what Paul was teaching. Amen? And Paul is being put in a position to show them faithfulness even in weakness. Are you hearing me? Whew. Verse 16, last verse, I'm almost done. Verse 16, Paul asked them a question then. Talking about receiving the truth and an appeal to, to stay in the truth, to trust in the truth. Paul asked a question, am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Okay, give me a minute on this one. This is something that I've seen on both sides. And, it's, and when you think about it, it happens on whether you're being legalistic and proud or you're being lawless and lascivious and you just want to live any kind of way. When you're so set in your ways to the point to where you become inflexible, to the point to where you can't learn anything new from the Holy Spirit, Anything new that God may be wanting to teach you. When you've reached a plateau and you've tapped into the, the ceiling and you're banging your head on the ceiling when it comes to truth. It's possible that God will send you someone to tell you the truth. But if you're so set in your ways and you're inflexible to the Holy Spirit, you could turn on the very person that is bringing the gospel truth to you. <laughs> This is exactly what they did to Jesus. Amen? Jesus taught them the truth. They were stuck in the traditions of men. They were stuck in their, in their legalistic ways. They were stuck in their self-righteous ways. And the folks that thought that they were living holy end up killing the Son of God. So what's happening here? They heard the truth. Pride and the teaching of pride and legalism slips into the church. And Paul starts asking the question, am I now your enemy because I tell you the truth? Huh? Turn to Jeremiah 1, 9, and 10. Jeremiah 1, 9, and 10. King James Version. 
Jeremiah 1, verses 9 and 10. The word of God reads, Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. Thank you, Lord. This is Jeremiah having his encounter with God. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms. Now, here's where it gets interesting. Oh, that's, that's great. Now, now, here's where it gets tough, though. To do what, Lord? <laughs> to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down and to build and to plant. Notice something here, saints. In order to build and to plant, we got to first go through the demolishing. There's got to be a tearing down first. You can't just throw a bunch of good theology on top of some bad theology. You can't just throw a bunch of bad uh, habits, you know, and put them in the mix with the good habits and truth with lies. And with, no, 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 no. There's got to be an extraction. There's got to be, we've got to take some things down. We've got to tear down some strongholds. We've got to tear down some false teaching. We've got we to gotta come against some things. And, and when you are the messenger that's being sent to tell someone the truth, and they don't like being torn down and <laughs> thrown down and destroyed. I don't want my stuff destroyed. I'm holding on to what, ooh, to what I got. And I don't want to let it go. I don't want to let it go. I don't want to let it go. And here you come with the truth. Uh, nobody likes being torn down. No one likes being un- uprooted. No one likes being put in an uncomfortable spot where you are taken out of what you believe and now placed into something else that you never thought was the truth. Nobody likes that. So what happens when you hold on instead of, instead, of, instead of letting go and trusting God and trusting the truth of his word? You will persecute the very person sent by God to rebuild you. And that's what's happening here. He said, have I now become your enemy because I tell you the truth? When you don't want to give up something or a way of thinking or a theology that is erroneous, that has error in it, then we begin to attack and not just a correction that has been meant to, to, to lead us in the truth, but we even begin to hurt or persecute or come against the person that God has sent to give us the truth. Yeah, I've seen it. I've experienced it in my own life. I saw my daddy go through it. I saw my great-granddaddy go through it in Ephesians. I've gone through it, you know, before in, in church. I, I've been there. I've been there. You know, some of us are so rigid in what we believe and what we've been brought up in. And here's how it, you know, applies to legalism. Uh, we've been brought up in certain things and we have, you know, religious practices and religious preferences and ordinances that we, you know, adhere to. And so we get to the point to where we're not even useful to God to reach anybody else or to be in uh, fellowship even with anybody else because they don't do things like we do them. <laughs> So we're, so we're not useful to God. We're not flexible enough to allow the Holy Spirit to teach us something or correct us in a certain way. So then we begin to fight against the messenger. Some of us won't step into a church because we disagree with the style of music. Some of us won't, won't, won't step into a church because we don't like the outfits that folks are wearing. Some of us won't step into a church because we don't like the version of the Bible that they're teaching out of. We, <laughs> why, why, that's not what I'm used to. Now, it's okay 
and you can have your preferences. I don't think there's anything wrong with your preferences, but when you start to uh, uh, push those preferences on everybody else, no, no, no. When you're doing the law by compulsion and not by, by love, then something's wrong. All right? It's wrong when I think that, you know, well, well, God is only working in the churches that, you know, do things specifically the way I do them. And, you know, if I, even, if I don't see my certain, you know, preference or specific little things, then I, I can't be a part of that. And God is not involved in that. No, you don't know. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, blatant sin. I'm talking about your preferences here. Okay? There's some things that, are, you know, you just don't, God is just not concerned about some of those things. Let me teach you a word. And I want to say it, hope I say it right. Pedantic. Pedantic. There's a, there's a word that's called pedantic. And it means it's an insulting word used to describe someone who annoys others <laughs> by correcting small errors and caring too much about minor details or emphasizing their own expertise in certain areas or certain, certain, certain subject matters where you should, you know, you just, you just nitpick on everything. You just nitpick. You nitpick. Y'all don't do this. Y'all don't do that. You're supposed to be doing this. You're supposed to be doing that. No, 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 no. You can't even find verses for that. It's just just stuff that you just came up with. That's, it comes from your own traditions and your own, you know, your, up, your upbringing in the church that you, came, you, know, you, you thought was right. And, and then you found out later on when someone brought you the truth, you know, Jesus is not concerned with any of that. That's not essential. And so what ends up happening is that ends up causing division. Now, that's how it happens on the legalistic side. Now, here's the other side when you are in lascivious living or living in gross immorality and someone brings the truth to you and you don't like what you hear. Some churches are in rebellion against the truth of God and will lead others into being comfortable with sin. I believe the Bible is clear on what sin is. I believe God made sure that he made people that can understand what sin is. <laughs> I mean, the Bible is clear. Some people want to make certain things to, be, to appear to be right when God has clearly said in his word that, the, that, that it's wrong. Some folks get really technical and split hairs about issues in order to make people okay with doing things that God hates. Amen? And then someone comes with the truth. And what happens? Oh, now we're going to shoot the messenger. Why? Because you don't want to let go of, of, of what you're comfortable with. You don't want to be uprooted out of that. It's going to cost you too much. You don't want to let it go. You don't want to leave it. And so you get mad at the truth, and you get mad at the messenger of the truth. Paul says, have I become your enemy because I'm telling you the truth? Here's the thing, saints, and I'm going to end it with this. Paul is appealing to the Galatians church. He's saying, stick with the truth that I told you. Don't be swayed to the left or the right. Stick with the truth that I preached to you. Don't allow this legalistic thing to hurt you and to cause you to drift into this performance-based something where you work for God instead of love God. <laughs> huh? Here's what's being said. Hmm? The truth is what he wants us to stay, stay with. That's what the Holy Spirit wants us to stay with. Amen? When you're faced with the truth, look it up in the Word. Be Berean. Someone comes to you with the truth, 
first thing you want to do is you want to see if it goes along with what God has already said in his written word. Amen? That's the standard. And then you got to ask God to help you to receive it. Oh, now this is where prayer comes in, saints. This is where, and I've said it before, the Holy Spirit leads you and guides you into the truth. In some cases, the truth that you already know that you might have gotten wrong. In some cases, the truth that you've already heard that someone else might have perverted. That you, you, you know, you learn some things that are not quite right. So, so you got to ask God, help you with that because there's a spirit of pride. We don't, saints, we don't like, we don't like it when we're, we're told that we're, we're dependent. We don't like it when, we, when, we, when we're told that we're weak. We don't like it. We don't like it. We want to appeal to be strong. That doesn't go along with my ego. You know, my ego backs, it fights against that. So when the truth comes, I can get upset about it because I don't want to be uncomfortable. I don't want to, I'm settled in this. I've been living my life this way for years. And here you come telling me something, you know, and, and, but then you search it in the word and you find out it's true. What do you do then? Now you're going to need not just knowledge, but power. <laughs> now you're going to need some power. Now you're going to need some power to overcome you. Now you're going to need some power. This is where prayer comes in. Then ask God to help you receive the truth. Receive the messenger. Receive what's happening here. Paul is urging the Galatians, don't slip away from the truth. This is a personal part of the letter where he's, he's, he's just pleading with them. It sounds like it's right, but it's not right. They're slipping in heresy. They're teaching you things that do not go with the word of God. I don't know how to wrap this up. I'm just going to say to you, I understand this situation. I've, I've been here. I've, I've been here. I've been here in my, in my own life where I didn't want to receive what God was saying. I've struggled. I've had to pray that thing through. I've had to watch the Holy Spirit take me from, you know, day one to day two and hold my hand through day three and walk with me through day four and, and chastise me in day five and pick me up off the ground in day six and then in day seven, sitting in the front row of the church still struggling with the truth. I've had to, uh, come on now. If we're honest, my flesh doesn't want to go with what God is saying. Whether it's extreme legalism or extreme immorality, he doesn't like either. My flesh is like, I want to do what I want to do. And God is saying, neither one of those things are right. Now, hear the truth. Hear the truth. Be weak before me. <laughs> and you will find strength in me. And I will work my strength through you. I think that's what I want to say. Father, we thank you so much for this word. This is a difficult portion of scripture to preach, Father. But I believe that you have delivered your word through the power of the Holy Spirit. I thank you so much for being faithful, Father, even in my weakness, God, where I don't even know what to say sometimes, and you just show up every single time, God. You love your church. And you love this little weak Jamie that tries to do your will, God. I thank you, Father, that I can depend on you and not myself. I pray, Father, that you would teach us all, Father, to be okay with our weakness, Father. To be okay with trusting you. Not the weakness that is leading to sin, Father, but the weakness that shows that we depend on you. In Jesus' name I pray, and I thank you for it. Amen and amen.
God bless you. Share this message. Take the button on the phone and press the share button. Share the gospel so that someone else can be freed from gross immorality and legalism and into following and trusting the Holy Spirit and the truth that is written in his word. Amen. I'll see you next week. I love you. God bless you. Amen. Be weak before God. And in your weakness, you will find his strength. Amen and amen.